Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Tuesday, July 23rd, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episodes. Episodes? There's only one episode today. <laughs> tuning in to today's episode. Uh, on today's show, uh, Colton Pouncey from The Athletic uh, covers Michigan State football. Uh, is going to join the show uh, and talk about some of his sort of season preview stuff that he's got going on right now. Two pieces in particular. Uh, it is just kind of a look at position groups on offense and defense and ranking them from, uh, you know, in, in terms of levels of uh, certainty, uncertainty, you know, the most certain to uncertain, best case scenario, worst case scenario. So Colton's going to come on and he'll be joining us for segments two and three. We'll do offense, then defense. So uh, that'll be good. Starting off the show, I want to talk a little bit about Jim Harbaugh and what happened with him uh, over the weekend, sort of uh, extending out from his his performance, I guess, at Big Ten Media Days and just some of the things that happened there. I also want to talk about what Pat Fitzgerald talked about, uh, saying that phones are the reason people don't want to go to games. I have many thoughts on that, but I don't want to try to compress too much into too little space. So I'm going to save that stuff. Maybe we'll talk about it uh, tomorrow or, or somewhere down the road this week, but there's just not time to talk about that today. I think I can fit most of the hardball comments here into five, six minutes uh, and be able to do that. So we'll do that today. Reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can get Locked on Spartans, wherever you get podcasts. And if you uh, wouldn't mind, head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a review for the show. That helps with the algorithm, and it helps iTunes think we're more popular, and that helps everybody. And I do genuinely appreciate when you guys take the time to do that stuff. Okay. Oh, I'm, I forgot one more thing. We've got the MSU gift tournament, the inaugural MSU gift tournament going on at Spartans Wire. Uh, .usatoday.com. You can also see them. I'm tweeting them out at will underscore underscore hunter, 1L2 underscores. Uh, we've got the D'Antonio region went up yesterday. Uh, on Monday, the, the Izzo region went up today. And then we'll have here sneak preview breaking news. We'll have the green and white divisions going up uh, later this week, starting tomorrow. Maybe we'll do both tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how things shake out. But definitely uh, the green and white will be up in the next couple of days. So uh, go check those out. Go read them. I uh, put a decent amount of work into them. They're funny gifts. I didn't make the gifts, but I wrote about them and why they're so good and kind of uh, did some writing around these things. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. hope it's fun. hope it's a good way for you to waste a little bit of time here in the summer as we sort of slog our way towards football. Speaking of, uh, let's talk about Big Ten Media Days. Okay, so Big Ten Media Days, uh, coaches talking. We're talking about coaches talking. Uh, it, sometimes it's boring, but it seems like something always kind of maybe happens that is significant at Big Ten Media Days. Last year, the, the foundation was laid for Urban Meyer's departure from Ohio State with uh, that scandal and him lying to the media at Big Ten Media Days, and that sort of just carried uh, itself carried, uh, you know, like lagged over Ohio State's head the entire rest of the offseason and into the season. It was just always there. And things like that uh, have happened at media days. And it's sort of the first time we can actually talk about football things. So people are really fired up and tuned into it. 
Uh, this year, Jim Harbaugh made some headlines before Media Days when he did a podcast with, uh, I think it was Tim Kawakami from The Athletic in San Francisco, saying that uh, about Urban Meyer, yes, Urban Meyer has been very successful, has a great record as a coach everywhere he's been, but controversy has also followed him everywhere he has been, which is totally true and totally a weak thing to say um, when you can't coach against Urban Meyer uh, anymore when you're 0-4 against Urban Meyer. like That's just kind of a weak thing to say. Uh, not necessary, but it, it made headlines before. Silly headlines, right? Not even That's not a big deal. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh didn't break news. It's something that he said, and you just make a joke about it and move on, but it, it carried a little bit of weight. And then uh, Jim Harbaugh made headlines for the wrong reasons at Big Ten Media Days and immediately was going to his notes app uh, on his iPhone to explain his situation. So just days after saying, Controversy always follows Urban Meyer. Harbaugh was doing the official Twitter apology of going to the Notes app to type out something longer for Twitter, which was just the irony of it was uh, pretty funny there. But in terms of what Jim Harbaugh actually said and the the controversy that came of it, I think the main thing that drove the controversy was... Uh, a couple things. On the surface, the comments look really terrible and abhorrent and just like, what the hell are you saying? And then the fact that they're sort of uh, clickable uh, headline, not clickbait or anything like that, but if like if you just accurately report what he said as the headline, like that is very clicky. It's a very, like Harbaugh did a great job for the reporters, for the media to make something that was going to gain traction really quickly. Um and so I think that's kind of those two things are why it took off. And then you, the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, people are just dying to get after each other on Twitter. And so it took off a bit. Um, I think Jim Harbaugh's biggest mistake in that whole situation was not being aware of what he was insinuating. Not like he was trying to say something correct and say something decent and honest and like something I agree with. Um, but he just did an absolutely terrible job of it, and he had he had a really bad spot of self awareness there. Like you cannot, under any circumstances, insinuate that a player that is transferring from your program was faking his depression in order to leave the program. And whether Jim Harbaugh believes that or not, we don't know. Um, I would lean towards he doesn't, but he might, like, the kid seems to think he might. The, the mom uh, was really upset with him, and you have to, like, uh, take in what they're saying and, and definitely take that under consideration and listen to them. He may well think that the kid was faking it, but in that situation, regardless of what he thinks or not, he doesn't know. He's not a doctor. He's not able to diagnose these things. That's not his lane, and... I think he actually knows that, but he kind of came off as if he didn't know that. In that situation, though, when you're talking about transfers, he needs to do something other than use that as an example. There are a million different types of things that kids say lawyers do in order to get these waivers granted for uh, immediate eligibility when you transfer. Jim Harbaugh has to have the wherewithal, the, the common sense to know that I after having this kid transfer and not be uh, granted his immediate eligibility, Hudson, who transferred to Cincinnati, was not granted immediate eligibility because he couldn't prove that he had depression. I uh, transferred from Michigan. Jim Harbaugh has to know that that scenario is what is happening 
at his school involved his program just months ago. He has to know that that's the situation and he cannot use kids uh, saying they have depression when they might not have depression as an example of the, the length kids have to go to to get immediately eligible. The point is, like Harbaugh was trying to say, these kids shouldn't have to disclose their mental illnesses to administrators to the NCAA. They shouldn't have to disclose uh, abuse that they may have suffered at the hands of a coach or something like that. They shouldn't have to like turn over their own private information in order to get immediately eligible in football. I'm 100% with him on that. He just did a really crappy job explaining it and didn't have good common sense. Uh, to know that, hey, I've got this little uh, controversy related to a player's mental health uh, transferring on my program. I can't use that in this example. He could have said um, anything. Like, there are a hundred reasons. Kids are lying about this. Kids uh, are getting lawyers to do this for them. Kids are saying this. Kids are doing that. Lawyers, lawyer. Like, it, if you would have just stuck with the lawyer angle of this, that it's a totally classist process. If your family can afford good legal representation, you will get granted immediately, immediately eligible the entire, like, every single time. If you would have just stuck to that, like, everyone would have totally been like, yep, that's great. I agree with Harbaugh. He didn't even have to go into, like, specifics with the, the depression or anything like that. He could have just, like, been more vague about it. Uh, and and use that as a point if he wanted to. Kids are have to ha, kids have to lie about their health, <laughs> something like that. Uh, kids have to lie about their family members' health. There are a bunch of different ways he could have gone, and I think just because of what happened with the player leaving Michigan, not being immediately eligible at Cincinnati because he couldn't prove he had depression, I think that may have been like on the back of his mind and sort of like here's an example of what's wrong with the transfer program, and it ended up looking like he insinuated. Uh, that this player was faking it. And I think maybe he was doing that intentionally. Maybe he wasn't. It's tough to know the rest of the comments and the, the stances he's taken on transferring. Like he's the only major college coach who has said players should be able to transfer free of any sort of punishment one time, uh, which is a good stand for him to take, something I'm 100% with him on, although I don't think it should be limited. Uh, I understand the practical nature of that and what he's saying there. Um, but I think he just got his, his words mixed up and then it, it blew up into a controversy. And the, the the main thing we should take away from this, and even I went and looked back on my tweet, and I don't think I did quite a good enough job saying this, is the main thing we should take away from this is that the transfer policy with the NCAA in football is ass backwards right now and needs to be changed. Uh, things like mental health, things like abuse, things like uh, means the family means shouldn't play into <laughs> the, the where a kid plays college football. He should play college football where he wants to play college football, where he can get playing time to play college football, where he's happy playing college football, where he enjoys living, where he's an appropriate distance uh, close to his family, far from his family, whatever he wants, uh, is in a place that he's enjoying getting a good education and enjoying playing football. Like that's that's it. We shouldn't have to prove depression, shouldn't have to prove abuse, shouldn't have to prove anything in terms of that. Um, you should just, you know, you shouldn't have to have a dying family member that you have to go home and take care of. That's such a crazy thing uh, that that's part of it. It's just, 
it's such a bad policy that anybody who lawyers up is able to get through it. And so the NCAA just kind of needs to do uh, away with that whole process. And I'm if, if that's the compromise, if Harbaugh's plan is the compromise, I, I'd be good with that as a start. And maybe we'll get better down the road. But, you know, one immediate transfer, uh, no loss of eligibility. And then if you transfer for a second time, you do have to sit out a year. I'd be okay with that. And then leave the graduate transfer rules as is. Because honestly, I don't think you're going to get a ton of players transferring multiple times within three years and not graduating. So I think that I think that would kind of take care of it. So those are my thoughts on that. When we get back, we will talk with Colton Pouncey from The Athletic about this Michigan State offense and defense and the position groups consist or uh, the certainty behind them, best case scenarios, worst case scenarios, and all that stuff. Uh, you can get Locked On Spartans on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, basically wherever you get podcasts, you can find this one. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast, Locked On Spartans. All right, welcome back to Locked on Spartans. Very happy to be joined now by Colton Pouncey. Colton covers Michigan State uh, football and does a little bit of basketball work too, a little bit of uh, relief work on the basketball side for the athletic. Colton, how you doing? Thanks for joining the show. Not too bad. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so before we get into football, I got to ask, it's your first year in East Lansing, new to the area. Uh, how did it go? Do you have any favorite spots, uh, anything that, you know, any questions that can maybe help you with some parking secrets. I know there's a lot of little quirks in East Lansing if you're not familiar with it. I haven't had too many too, too many problems with uh, parking just yet, but yeah, first year was pretty great. Um, you know, I kind of had a little bit of an idea going into it because I worked with Joe Rexroad when I was in Nashville before I came mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he gave me a ton of recommendations. I think my favorite spot to go to is Crunchies. Um, sure. Kind of give a sense of, you know, what MSU is all about when you go there. So, yeah, first year on the beat was pretty good. Uh, like like the other riders on the beat, they're good guys. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. Cool. Yeah, Crunchies is definitely a spot if you want to kind of get the vibe of Michigan State. Um, you've got two pieces up here at The Athletic. And, Colton, if you guys don't subscribe to The Athletic, um, Colton does a really great job with the football stuff. Uh, you got two pieces up here. Uh, it's just, you know, kind of broad previews of position groups on offense and defense. I want to start on the offense because I think there's the most intrigue there and most uncertainty there. And you kind of rank these uh, position groups from most stable to uncertain. Uh, you start with what I think is kind of the the only obvious thing on, uh, when it comes to the offense. This is a really good group of receivers coming back. So just what are your thoughts on the, the, the talent that Michigan State has at the receiver position? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. When, when, I guess when you look at a position like this, um, you know, losing a guy like Felton Davis seems like it would probably hurt the group, but mm-hmm. I think Michigan, Michigan State's wide receivers are still pretty strong. Um, you've got a guy like Cody White who can, I think, can easily step in and be that number one receiver, possession guy for Michigan State in place with Felton. Um, and I think he'll probably take a leap this year. You know, he missed some time last year with a broken hand, but you get a full season from him health-wise, I think he can turn a really, really strong production season. Um then a guy like Daryl Stewart Jr., who's been around a couple of years, so this will be his third year as a starter, I believe, and you know he'll be a senior. He's talked about taking on more of a leadership role. He's kind of the quick guy out of the squad, and he can make a lot of guys miss his face. And then uh, I think the last guy is you know the new guy, but I think a lot of people are excited about him, uh, Jalen Naylor. We saw what he can do a little bit last year against Indiana. He had a couple touchdowns in that game, and uh, the Purdue game where he kind of had this improv, you know, you know 
this improvisational play that he took for a touchdown against Purdue that kind of sealed that win for them. And I think he's a guy where he's got a lot of potential. We'll see if this offensive staff can kind of unlock things that he can do. But, you know, he's a player that the coaching staff is certainly excited about, and I think he adds a different element with the speed to this, this receiving group right now. So you look at those three guys coming back, that's a strong receiving core, and, you know, I think they like some of their depth. It's, it's kind of improving after last year. So I, I think mm-hmm. that's when you look at the rest of the offense, that's got to be the strongest. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the starting point. You're like, okay, the receivers are here and there's some good guys. But then after that, just question marks really everywhere from health to talent, whatever you want to look at, there can be a question mark. How did you sort of sort through the next few groups here uh, and just determine? So you got quarterbacks and then running backs as two, three. How did those two groups end up as the next uh, ones in line for you? Because there are question marks at both those spots. Yeah, it, it wasn't easy. I kind of tossed and turned right in this one. <laughs> you know, I, I think I went with quarterback number two just because, you know, if Brian Lewerke is right, I think he's a proven player, and you can't really say that as much for the other positions. So, you know, Brian Lewerke, a lot of guys you, you talk to, um, they kind of tell you that they're expecting to sort of bounce back season from him and, you know, what he showed as, as, a, as a sophomore in 2017. I think a lot of people are expecting him to return to form. Um, and, you know, honestly, the, you know, the shoulder injury certainly didn't help things. He wasn't playing particularly well before then, but I think you could look at a lot of different factors involved there with the lack of a running game and the offensive line being, you know, the mess that it was and, uh, you know, some injuries to his receivers later in the season. So, you know, all things considered, he wasn't really set up well for success last year. Um, so I think, you know, getting a new fresh start in the senior season and, you know, maybe riding it in with a little bit of momentum from the spring will probably help him and, you know, I think if, if, if he's anything closer to he was in 2017 and he provides some stability for that position, I think that's, you know, your second strongest position behind those wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And then just at, at running back, there's some guys there, but it, it's just no one really took the job last year. And I think it feels like going into camp, they're still sort of waiting for someone to emerge. D'Antonio loves to have a workhorse and they're still sort of waiting for someone to emerge. Is that the vibe you're still getting out of the program? Yeah, I think so. I think this will drag on through camp a little bit. They want to see what these guys can do, and I, I, I do think it will be a competition. Um, I think there's talent here, though, and that's why I have them ranked third on this list. Um, you know, Connor Hayward is a guy that can do a lot of things, and I think last year, you know, that was his first full year playing running back position. You know, in high school, he's playing all over the place, and it seems like his freshman year is still, you know, trying to find a, a home at least uh, that, that first year. So I think second year, you know, he it, it did come with some struggles. His vision probably wasn't where you'd like to see, and I think that comes with time and some age and some game experience. So, you know, he's a guy that is kind of looked at as a starter right now. I mean, he's got the most experience, and he was getting the most snaps in the spring, and I think he'll probably be the number one guy heading into fall camp. But so I have some competition there. With Eric Jefferson's another guy that people are excited about, and, you know, he didn't have a strong breakout freshman year, but I think there's still hope that he can get things going. Um, then you got, you know, Anthony Williams Jr., who impressed in the spring with some, some of his elusiveness and speed. He's a guy that some players have talked about, and he's hard to catch, hard to take down. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you got a couple more guys, you know, Elijah Collins, who I think can, can probably make a move. I think he's probably the most underrated guy in this group so far, but, you know, he's got some talent, and, you know, he'll be a second-year player. And then Brandon Bright, another true freshman who has recently just arrived on campus earlier this month, so... I, I'm really high on him. I think he can be the running back of the future. He's a big guy, six foot two, but you know he was a track star in high school, and he can do a lot of different things. So I think if you look at the running back position as a whole, you have a lot of names, and like yeah. you said, they're they're looking for one guy to kind of take the reins. But 
we'll see who, who, who steps up and takes that job. Yeah, and the, and really the best case scenario forward might be some sort of committee approach with Anthony Williams doing things, catching the ball, and that stuff will all shake out. But at least there are uh, some guys there. You've got tight ends at four, and then I want to talk about the offensive line, which you have fifth, and uh, I'm in full agreement with you there. I think if you want to pinpoint the biggest thing that went wrong offensively, the health and at, at times just lack of performance from that group uh, is certainly the place to start. Uh, why'd you end up with them fifth? And then you've also done a best and worst case scenario. Um, you know, how can this play out with this offensive line to where they are uh, an, a competent group or an above average group this season? Right. Um, well, first off with, with the tight ends real quick. I mean, sure. Yeah. I think a guy like Matt Dotson can definitely be a guy. He's a four, former four-star guy. And, you know, I think they're just kind of waiting for him to put it all together. He hasn't yet. And, you know, you look at the production from that group and it really hasn't been here the last few years at all. So, I think it's more of an effort. You got to make more more of an effort to get those guys involved. They all obviously have to prove they can, you know, make 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 plays and catch the ball. But um, I mean, I think that position can kind of take a step forward depending on if a guy like Trent Gillison can come forward a little bit. Um, and then regarding the offensive line, yeah, I think that's the the position that needs to improve the most. And there are a lot of names. It's kind of like the running back position. There are a lot of names, a lot of guys that have been around here for a while, but in terms of a cohesive group, um, you know, the, the, that production hasn't been there. Um, you, you have a lot of guys that have been there, you know, three, four, two, three, four years now, and I think you're still waiting for them to put it all together. It hasn't happened yet. Um, I put together a bunch of the best and worst case scenario. I think, you know, probably some better health. There, guys are in and out of the lineup so much. That's certainly yeah. helped things. And I think, you know, you look at Jim Bowman, and he's a guy that has been viewed as a teacher more than a coach. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that this group needs. They're still learning how to how to play this position. You got a lot of a lot of guys there. So I, I I think if you kind of take a step back and look at where this offensive line was last year, you know they've got, they've added weight. They have a new position coach, and they're getting healthier. So I think if you look at those three things right there, you hope that that leads to some sort of a turnaround. But a worst case scenario, we've already seen what what that looks like. Yeah, you see a lot of injuries as rotation and. You know, not getting a push up front, not getting lanes for running back. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a mess right now. They're going to need to get it figured out. But I think there is some optimism and, and some hope that they can get that going. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, that spot is the toughest spot for a true freshman to come in. Uh, at least in my opinion, maybe quarterback, but just in terms of the size, the the weight that needs to get gained and stuff like that. So there is some nice young true freshman yeah. coming in, uh, but it's just tough to think. You know, how much can Devontae Dobbs really contribute? as a true freshman. So we'll sort of see how that plays out, uh, especially as we go through camp here and see how he kind of holds his own and Nick Simak and and other guys. Okay, we'll be back with Colton segment two after this quick break. Remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Lockdown Spartans uh, wherever you get podcasts. The new Himalaya podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, you can find Locked on Spartans. All right, let's get back to segment two of our interview with the Athletics Colton Pouncey. Uh, let's jump to the other side of the ball here, which is, I don't know if less interesting is the right word, but it's kind of, <laughs> instead of you've got one group and then like, okay, how can I get a number two in here? It's like, how do I even separate these groups? They're really fantastic. Um, but you went with the defensive line at number one. And I think it's one of the best uh, fronts in the country. A lot of people who know a lot more than I do about football uh, are saying similar things. How'd you end up with this group as the number one group? 
Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, you just got to look at the guys there. Kenny Wilkes, you know, reigning defensive lineman of the year in the Big Ten, first team All American, or first team All Big Ten. He's been an All American by mm-hmm. our own the Athletic, named the first team, and second team by a lot of other outlets last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy that that's your anchor right there on, on on the defensive end side, and you know, he does a lot of different things. He's a he's improving his pass rush. He's already a great run defender, and whenever you have a guy like that being the way, I think. Even if he's infectious personality, like that's that's kind of your 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 anchor for that defensive line. And then next to him, you got Raekwon Williams, who's a future NFL prospect, and he's been around. He'll be entering his third year as a starter. He's first team All Big Ten. And uh, Mike Panasuk right next to him. Those guys up the middle, about as 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 good of a deal you can find at defensive tackle in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a big reason why Michigan State finished number one against the run last year and number two the year before. And then if you look at the other side, Jacob Panasuk, Mike's brother. Kenny was really raving, raving about him at Big Ten Media Days and said, you know, maybe no other guy's putting more work than him this offseason, and he's expecting kind of a breakout year. And if Kenny gets more attention this year, which I think he will just because of the season he's had in recent mm-hmm. years, um, they're going to need a guy on the other end to kind of step up and fill that role. So if Jacob can, uh, you know, become more of a pass rusher and, you know, take his game to the next level, you're looking at one of, if not the best defensive line in the country. So that's why I have them ranked number one. Mm-hmm. And I just want to note here, so with all these guys, you've got like Kenny Willekes, uh first team all Big Ten, all American, 20 and a half sack or tackles for a loss, and like sort of their 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 bona fides or credentials. For Jacob Panishuk, uh one of them is speaks Polish with brother Mike on the field to communicate <laughs> stunts, which was that you who did that story last year on them? I don't if it was you, great job at whoever it was. That was one of my favorite stories out of MSU last year was that these two guys speak in Polish to communicate stunts. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was there when he, when they were talking about it. I got to give mm-hmm. credit to my man, Matt Wenzel, for that one. Okay. He was the one that wrote it. But great yeah. story either way. That's <laughs> yeah. really cool that they can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great job uh, there by Matt. How did you then, after those guys, because I think you could sort of look at these groups and be like, yeah, the, the D line is really high end pro talent, and there's some just really solid, great players there. Um, and while there maybe are a couple little questions at linebacker, and defensive back, they're both really solid. How did you distinguish uh, between those two groups? Uh, well, between the linebackers, the corners, and the safeties, because I think they're all really close there, don't you? Yeah, and I, I would argue any way you rank these groups, two through four. Um, you know, I, the reason why I put linebackers number two is because Joe Bashi is there, and when mm-hmm. Joe Bashi is there, good things happen. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, he's an all-American. He'll be, he might be an all-American this year. He's been preseason all-American. Um, and, you know, he's a guy, back-to-back 100-tackle seasons, captain, uh, leader of this defense, emotional leader, voice of the locker room, and, uh, you know, quarterback of the defense. Whenever you have a guy like that in the middle, he just makes everyone around him better. And I think he'll elevate the guys next to him, even though there's a bit of turnover when you look at it. You know, Andrew Dowell's now off the NFL. Um, that star linebacker spot's open. I'm really high on Antoine Simmons as a guy that can kind of step in, and, and I don't think you'll see too big of a drop in production if there's one at all. Um, he's kind of been groomed for this role the last couple of years, and I think he'll be a starter entering his junior year. And I'm excited to see what he can do with that spot. And then right next to him, on the other side, you got Brandon Boyer. You got Tyree Thompson, first and foremost, as a starter. Um, senior, big hitter, uh, started last year. And then Brandon Boyer-Randall coming in as kind of this uh, pass rush specialist and, mm-hmm. you know, situational player who can get after the quarterback. I think that's a really good tandem. The, the question on linebacker is kind of the depth, right? you got a lot yeah. of guys that were young and they're going to have to kind of fill those roles with some guys that graduated. So I think that's your question mark there, but 
like I said, Bocci kind of sets the tone for everyone else. I think he'll get those guys ready to play. Yeah, and uh, with cornerbacks, which you have at third, I loved how you just uh, framed the cornerback discussion with just noticing kind of how things looked a little bit different. Like, wow, when, when Josiah Scott got back, things sort of changed, and it was weird because uh, you weren't here yet, but his true freshman season watching him, you're like, oh, my God, like that's Darquez Denard like reincarnate. Like, how did this happen? Uh, and then I think you sort of saw some of that when he came back from his injury, just the difference he can make. Um, so how did you end up with uh, corners at third, and what do you think of the group overall? Yeah, I, I actually love this cornerback group. And, you know, Josiah Scott was a guy I'd heard a lot about before I even, you know, got going here. But, you know, it's kind of a bummer to see him and miss so much time because he had, everyone had said he was the number one kind of cover corner, even with a guy like Justin Lane next to him, which, you know, says a lot about the talent that he has and what he can do on the field. And once he came back, yeah, you, you just noticed the, the difference. And, I wrote my story that Michigan State's defense kind of gave up 55 total points in five game span that he played in against Maryland, Ohio State, Nebraska, Rutgers, and Oregon. So that defense really locked down once he returned. And even if you look at the Red Sox bowl when, when Justin Lane had already announced that he was leaving for the NFL, um, I think you look at the cornerbacks in that game, Josiah Scott looked as good as any player in the country at that position. He locked down Dylan Mitchell, who's a really good receiver that Oregon had last year. Um, and then the other end of him, you had Josh Butler, who really held his own. So that you know, obviously that defense gave up seven points total in that game. So I think that's a preview of what can come again with a full year of a healthy Josiah Scott. And you look at the rest of the cornerback position. There's some young guys, young depth, like most positions on the defense. But you know, I think they're excited about the talent they have coming back, and hopefully, I think they're they're excited for a full year of Josiah Scott coming back. Mm-hmm. And you'll learn this and maybe you're already starting to learn this uh, just for whatever reason uh, at Michigan State when there's young depth at cornerback it just pans out more often than it feels like it should you're like oh <laughs> this person can play I didn't know they were third on the depth chart it just happens they're really good at coaching them up back there uh, last group here the safeties coming in at fourth the, the big question is Kari Willis has, has gone to the NFL uh, Xavier Henderson's gonna have to come in and replace him a little bit different types of players uh, but it seems like they're really excited to see uh, what Xavier Henderson can bring. And then just the improvement of David Dowell, who uh, some people really like as a potential, uh, you know, top five or so safety uh, in this upcoming NFL draft. Yeah. Uh, David Dowell is probably one of the most underlooked, under undervalued players on this defense. You have so many star names, but he's been a really solid player the last couple of years. He's, he's been a first team all big 10 guy. I think last year he got third team honors and, you know, he, he'll be that steady presence, steady senior presence that, you know, you, you lose when a guy like Kari leaves. Um, so I think he's a guy that you kind of expect him to do his own thing on one side. The question there is, you know, the, the he'll be a sophomore now, Xavier Henderson. Um, but a lot of guys have, have kind of hyped him up as, you know, he's, he's the next Kari. And I'm not sure if he's looking at it that way. He seems like a guy that wants to blaze his own trail. But, um, you know, you look at him, he's a four-star guy. He's got the pedigree, and, you know, he was kind of groomed for this this, this sort of takeover in, in 2019. And, yeah, the coaches are high in him. He's a player that uh, I think can do a lot of things this year, and I guess I guess we'll see what happens. But, I mean, I it's hard to rank these guys, you know? Yeah. Um, I got, like, the safety position doesn't seem weak. I know the, safe, the story's kind of called stable the most stable, but all these <laughs> positions are stable. <laughs> It's really hard yeah. to rank them. I had a time going with it, but I, I do think that the safety group is in good shape. And if, if Xavier Henderson can provide those things that he can provide, I think this will be a, another good position there. 
Yeah, when the big question marks are like, well, the depth is a little young and unproven, like that's stable. That's normal. That's what's supposed to happen. Uh, So yeah, Michigan State's done a a great job, uh, obviously turning over on that side of the ball year in and year out. All right, he's Colton Pouncey from The Athletic. Um, I've said this many times when you you weren't even on the show, Colton, so I'm going to say it while you're on the show. Uh, Between you and Brendan Quinn, the, The Athletic and Michigan State's coverage on The Athletic is as good as any college coverage. Uh, that you can get if you guys don't subscribe to the site. I, I do recommend doing it. Do you have any discounts going on? I know you guys always have discount codes. If someone wants to sign up, do you have one going on right now? Yeah, we we literally always have one. Yeah. I, I think the one right now that we have, both college football, it's theathletic.com slash CFB expansion 40. Um, we just added a, a, a few more team writers. with mm-hmm. 33 now, and like we have 8 to 10 national writers. So it, it's been cool to see you know, this kind of venture grow over time the last year that I've been here. So yeah, if, if you feel like joining, uh, really appreciate it. Hope that you can follow along with us this year. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I recommend doing it. You guys always find interesting, unique ways to cover the team and it's worth uh, the subscription price. Colton, thanks so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll catch up with you down the road. Once the season get going, a season gets going, uh, I'm going to try to make it out to East Lansing uh here for camp a few times so hopefully we can meet then in person as well uh but yeah again thanks for for making the time we appreciate it yeah definitely thanks for having me on all right thanks so much to colton for joining the show uh really good insights from him uh enjoy his work for sure over at the athletic hopefully we can get him on uh you know during the season at some point all right thanks so much for listening to today's locked on spartans uh, reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the show. We've got that gift tournament going on at USA Today or SpartansWire.usatoday.com. Uh, so check that out as well. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with another episode of Locked on Spartans. Until then, go green.